Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last Molly Movie Club in Casey Picks Month. I'm Casey Miratori. I'm Anna Rettberg. I guess I'm the titular Casey (laughs) in Casey Picks Month. This week, we are covering Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a movie starring Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man, who comes from a black and white dimension to, to save the world. That's right. That's what the movie's about. That was primarily what I got out of the movie. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it was Cage's best performance. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It was adequate, but uh, for a while, for the first part of the movie, I thought it was Nick Offerman. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> that was a different Nick. I didn't think it was Nicholas Cage. Really? Oh, I, I, I got that. I've, I picked that out right. It away. was weird. I, my, my voice identification skill not, not doing great. So uh, the reason this one got picked for Casey Picks Month is because we did three picks in the middle of the month that were films I loved, I think are great. And then we did uh, two films on the sort of the bookends that I, I don't like. And the first one we did was Lightyear, which we did specifically because of a Pete Doctor quote blaming the audience, which was really <laughs> kind yeah. of somewhat enraging. So that's why that one got in there. Spider-Verse is in there because it's one of these movies where I think it's very interesting to look at what I think is a very bad screenplay because unlike Lightyear, it was actually successful. So I I thought it would be – Lightyear was not. Well, I think think Spider-Verse is kind of interesting because it has a lot of good things about it that are separate from the script or the story, whereas Mm. Lightyear was all kind of like – boring and and uninteresting whereas this movie has a lot of of new interesting ideas in terms of like the visuals and the style the presentation the presentation the presentation is great i mean i think that's or it's it's at least it's at least like ambitious it's trying something different and i think that's that's probably the main thing that people responded to with this movie i mean that might be true and i think that's totally fine if that's what it was but i think people also just generally liked the movie they do yeah and so i thought it would be interesting to talk about why i don't really like the movie Mm -hmm. now part of that is because i don't really care about the visuals um i don't think they were bad or anything but uh, one of the problems for me is i think coming from video games or specifically having done a lot of work on character animation and graphics and things like that it's it's hard for me to divorce my brain from my previous sort of way I interpret things, right? right? So, you know, I'm someone who's been trained that if something is running at 10 frames a second, there's a huge problem. So <laughs> it's very hard to put something that's 10 frames a second or less in front of me and claim that that was good. I understand why they wanted to do that because they were trying to get more of a like staccato feel to like, you know, this is supposed to be a comic book and comic books are obviously mm-hmm. still frames. And how do you represent that in a movie? You know, you've got a limited number of options to make things feel like a comic book. Also, this is moving in three dimensions and, you know, comic books are too. So it ends up with this thing where you're kind of like trying to figure out how you can do something in a comic book style that hasn't already been done before and that's interesting. So I get why they made the choices they made, but almost all the choices they made, like, you know, uh, fairly, you know, lo-fi shading, low frame rates, uh, color aberration, these sorts of things are things that are also things which just look bad it, it, to me. 
they're like, oh, uh, someone screwed up the renderer, right? Or something. I mean, I, so that's, yeah. it's hard for me to get past that. So I, most of the time, I just think the movie looks lousy. But I get that other people liked it. So that's totally fine. It's just a choice. I think it takes a minute to get used to for anybody. Because we're just not used to seeing frame rates like that in animation. We're used to th- seeing things that look really smooth. Yeah, or, and it, it seemed like it was kind like... of variable, too. Like, I assume that it was not always the same frame no. rate. At least it looked like it was variable, which I found very jarring. It was even different for different characters, too. Oh, yeah. Like, when you had the people from the other universes come, like... I felt like the some of them were smoother and some of them were way more uh, like the anime influenced one was right. like because I mean it sort of has that anime older anime feeling or even anime now like where they they don't have the you know they don't usually do the amount of frames that we're used to in in Western animation and so like it kind of gave it that feel and they they did it even more extremely with her character yeah I don't I don't know if I mind it there were time there were definitely scenes where I found it a little distracting especially toward the beginning when it's just like not action heavy i think it works a lot better when it's action when there's action happening when it's like somebody walking down the street or in his you know little room or whatever it it feels a lot weirder to me to have the movement be kind of like jerky uh but when it's action and people running around and flying around i feel like it works a lot better in those scenes that may be true um in, in general i guess i'm just trying to point out that one reason perhaps why i don't uh, gloss over the story stuff the way maybe other people are, or maybe they really think the story was well written. I don't I know. Think, I think but the fact that I'm also not enjoying the visuals very much is perhaps part of it. I, I will say I did think the acting was good. So I think, you know, in in something like Lightyear, I don't really, you know, which I think almost everything was bad other than render quality. Mm-hmm. like And the animation itself. Yeah, yeah, animation and render quality were, were you know, very high on the you know on the competency scale certainly everything else was basically not good in that movie in this movie i would say the acting was was above average i thought for one of these movies mm-hmm. there were some scenes for example like when the uncle is telling miles about putting the hand on the girl's yeah, shoulder yeah yeah I noticed in scenes like that, because I don't think the writing is very good in this movie, I noticed that I I really felt like the actors were able to make that scene feel very genuine. Like, like I really liked – I don't know who those actors were. Yeah, I didn't Um, recognize most of the names in the credits. No. Which I thought was nice. It's like – yeah. So many movies, especially, I mean, Lightyear's a good example. They feel like they have to get, like, a big name actor for every single role. And it's like, sometimes that's, like, the worst thing you can do. I mean – just cast people who are right for the part, you know? Yes, and I think it paid off here because the I just thought the acting was very good. Yeah. And, um, you know, my knowledge of actors is, if they're newer actors, is kind of bad because I just haven't seen a lot of the stuff that's, you know, popular now. So it may be that actually these people are popular, right? It could be, yeah. And know. they're just like, you know, because I tend to not watch a lot of modern stuff, I don't know who they are. So that could be. But point being... I thought they did a great job, and a scene like that was something where I felt like it would be very easy for that scene to suck. There really wasn't that much in the writing. It's basically like, okay, we know what this scene's supposed to be. There's very little written in it, but the actors got the intonation just right. Like, it felt like the person playing the uncle kind of really knew what it would be like to tell, you know, as an uncle, tell a kid about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
I just thought that was great. Unfortunately, he's really not in the movie much, but I I thought he did a great job. And in general, I think other people in the movie did a good job too. Now, it wasn't just him, but I, he was kind of stand out to me. I say, I think we say this a lot with modern action heavy movies. Yeah. Is like. It it never gives anything emotional time to breathe. Like it's just yeah. so action heavy that you know when you have those nice little scenes, they're just so short and like you never really actually feel much of anything when emotional stuff is supposed to happen because they've just yeah. never given it enough time. There's to, way too to, much stuff in this movie. Yeah, too, and it's too just much, yeah. it's like and I honestly found myself getting really even though I think the action in this movie was fairly visually interesting just because of the style. But it's just like I actually found myself getting pretty fatigued with action by the end of it. I was getting bored because I'm just like, I mean, maybe I've just have, I think I have superhero fatigue a bit. Um, yeah, that could be. But I'm just like, I'm just tired of action. Like, I'm tired of just people like flying around and explosions and crazy effects. I'm just like tired of it. <laughs> and so I find myself getting kind of bored. And it wasn't that bad in this movie because I think the spectacle is good. But But yeah, I just think like the emotional beats of this movie feel like really underdeveloped to me they are i mean just not not even subjectively just objectively there's basically no time spent on them because most of the time is spent trying to get to reel out a massive amount of plot none of which matters really Mm -hmm. it's it's all just kind of inconsequential stuff that doesn't really relate to anything that the movie's actually about which is why i think the screenplay kind of sucks it's basically just like really uh almost to a fetish fixated on all these things they wanted to do plot wise but none of them were interesting i mean the idea that we have multiple spider men and women from other dimensions does have this kind of funny like oh yeah there's a noir spider-man thing but that's like a joke that lasts maybe 30 seconds for me other than that, this movie has basically no ideas in it. Like, none of the action sequences are interesting. Well, and it's all based around, like, the entire plot is basically based around, like, we have to get this chip, like, this... Yeah, the this, thumb drive. This thumb drive back into the thing. And it's just, like, that is so uninteresting. <laughs> um, and... Well, it also doesn't make any sense. Like, n- the entire the entire structure of the movie in terms of, like, okay, we... We needed N of these things to happen. Like, we sat down and we said, I mean, assuming it went something like this, right? Where we we wanted to have these different Spider-Verse people in it. So we need to have something that happens that brings these Spider-Verse people into the current Spider-Universe or whatever. And then we need something that, like, sends them back. And so here we go, right? But none of it makes any sense. I I didn't even really understand the the basic idea was so incredibly thin that i was just like are we really going with this like it's a thumb drive just program it to do something on delay like you don't need a person there for that it's a thumb drive right like it's computer uh so they had to do this thing where it's like oh well in order to do the override you have to put the thumb drive in and then push a large screen button and you're just like you guys aren't even trying like you're not this is a lot like the well we the computer got stepped on that has the four (laughs) numbers in light year they're just like you know i mean part of your job or at least it used to be it's not anymore obviously but it to me part of your job as a writer is you're supposed to figure out ways in which the natural constraints of the story that you need such as we need these people to come from the metaverse and or the uh, whatever you want to call it the multiverse sorry and then go back 
You're supposed to come up with ways in which that happens in an interesting way. You're not just supposed to be like, oh, I see here there's a constraint I need. I put in a button for that constraint. But that's literally the level of writing that we get nowadays. It's like I put in a literal button that is advanced plot is what's on the button. Like they don't even tell you what the button does. It's not even a button associated with a thing. They're just like, I don't know. It destroys the collider for some reason. Why? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> right? So to me, it's just incredibly, like, uh, it's just incredibly lazy, I guess, is the only term I really have for it. But the whole movie's written that way to me. And that's why I fi- found it very unsatisfying that people thought this was somehow good. I mean, and I think it also has a little bit of the light year problem in terms of, like, what it's about uh, or what it claims to be about. Like, it's kind of about two things. There's the thing it keeps saying it is about, which is, like, anyone can be Spider-Man or something like that. Like, we're all Spider-Man. That's what he says at the end as if it's the theme. Or anybody can be Spider-Man. But there's also, and then there's the second thing, which is, like, the family element or, Mm -hmm. or his sort of conflict a little bit with his his dad and feeling like pressure to be a certain way. And I feel like there's maybe an attempt to like tie those two things together, like tie that to him being Spider-Man where it's like, it, it, it but, doesn't, but it, really doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. really work. You know, and I don't know if this was the case. Uh, it either could be a retcon or a we screwed it up kind of situation. I'm not sure which it was. So in one thing, it's like we wrote this screenplay and it didn't have anything in it. And then someone, you know, somebody shows up and is like, it has to have a theme or something. And then they go back and add family into it. Or they that go back and happen. add like anybody can be Spider-Man into it. Because like right. the family thing feels more solid to me as a concept like i I disagree interesting interestingly because at least the entire movie is about multiple spider-men yeah but it's also to me at least at least it sounds like you sat down and thought about that premise but I, i guess but at the same time it's a little confusing to me because what they keep saying is something to the effect of like we're all spider man or we can all be spider man but you're like well you if you're i guess if you're bitten by a radioactive spider then sure Oh, well, I totally agree. It doesn't work. I just don't really understand what, like, why, like why that, what that means and what it matters. Like, that's not, I think the family stuff for me worked a little better just because it's like an actual thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I can understand like this family dynamic thing, but I don't really know what they're getting at with the Spider-Man thing. Like, what we does can, it mean? Like, why, why do, why do I care that like anybody can be Spider-Man? What does that even mean? Yeah, so I guess I would say I don't disagree with any of that. I was just trying to say that, in general, I thought the family thing felt more retconned. That's all okay, I meant. I, okay. I did not mean either of them worked. They're neither like, worked. You know, you really don't have much, at least I certainly didn't have much of an emotional reaction, emotional reaction to like yeah, anything in this movie, even though there's moments where you're clearly supposed to be like, like sad that the uncle dies. That's maybe the closest you get to an emotional reaction because, like you said earlier, like... He has that scene, that one scene with his uncle early in the beginning where it's like they have this nice moment and then they, you know, they go do the graffiti thing and whatever. But it's still just like you feel I really felt nothing. Um, yeah, me too. And it's like and then, there, you know, a little bit of stuff with the father is nice, I guess. But it's like you just you feel like they're going through the motions of of like 
We're yeah. s- this is what you're supposed to do to like have an emotional scene in your movie. But it's like I never felt I never felt that. I think it just I think it was time. I, uh, like a lot of it was time. It's like you just if you don't have enough. Eh. I mean, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's both things. Yeah. It, so it is time because like we're way more concerned with having weird stuff like, you know, 12 minutes of spider people accidentally getting their web stuck on something and getting pulled in a direction, which mm-hmm. was like. 90% of this film for me was watching a web get stuck on something and then a person get sucked off the screen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I don't care about and was not interesting even a single time. But that said, <laughs> so I agree that time was misallocated. I don't really want to watch these action sequences. I, I love good action sequences, but all of these were, were really uninteresting to me. So that's true. But I also think just tactically the way, or maybe I should say strategically, depending on how you want to look at which level of this is not working, the family stuff actually had enough in the movie if you had made them line up. They just unfortunately go in all different directions. So, mm-hmm. for example, the the villain in the story is that Kingpin, Kingpin. guy. I, can I just take a brief moment to say, love the character designs in this okay. movie. I mean, it's like what we were talking about with Lightyear. How those designs were like borderline uncanny valley, like too realistic. This went the other way and I loved it. It was like, that's not a plausible human shape at all. And I loved it, right? Like it, it's great. The, all the character designs I thought were really, really good. I do think that the the way they leaned into comic book here was mm-hmm. like way better than, you know, Disney or something. The style of this movie is is great. They like, tried it had a lot great harder, artists yeah. working on it and making bold choices and and trying new things. And I really appreciate that for sure. Anyway. Sorry, yeah. So Kingpin, is, you know, we find out, is trying to bring his family back from the, like, an alternate universe, basically. Yeah. Trying to get an alternate universe a version of his family, and that's why he's building this collider thing. So, you know, this, in normal writing, that's, like, what you would use as a setup. You That would be important to the family storyline. Oddly enough, in this movie, it's not. One of the reasons it's so weird when I look at the writing of this movie, I'm like, okay, so normally what you would do in this case is Miles decides to run away from home or something because of a precipitating incident with his father, who we know that he's kind of in conflict with or something like this. Uh, and he falls in with the uncle or something and is doing, you know, you know, is doing crimes or something <laughs> like this. You know, that's normally what would happen. And then he sees at a critical juncture late in the movie. I mean, if you were to write this movie in a way that is just the standard way you write a movie so that there is some story to it. Right. You know, I don't want to I don't want to say that people should write cookie cutter movies, but just. Nowadays, we're below the cookie cutter, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, We've like fallen if you, if below just, cookie cutter. If a lot of these movies just went back to sort of following a more standard script structure, it would be a better movie. Much Even better, though yeah. it would be sort of cookie cutter. Yes. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is you always should be – if you're doing something that's not cookie cutter, you should have read your script and go, well, it's above cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You read the script and it's like way below cookie cutter – uh, what are you? Why are you doing that? Like, what's the point? That's sort of like saying, like, well, I don't like IKEA furniture, so I built this thing out of like you know straws or something, <laughs> and you sit on it and it falls apart. It's like, no, like if you're going to make better furniture, it has to be better than the thing that you said you didn't want to use. So anyway, the the way that this would normally work is the thing that turns the tides for Miles 
at, you know, late in the film that makes him decide to go back and be Spider-Man instead of running away Mm -hmm. from his family and his responsibility, which would have been what the theme would have been in this movie, not that anyone could be Spider-Man, which we'll get to in a minute, which makes no sense, like you said. Then he sees this, he finds out about Kingpin. And he looks and he he sees what happens to somebody, right, when they lose their family and he goes mad. And this person, you know, who is obviously just totally a horrible individual, he doesn't want to be like that, right? So that, faced with that, like, realization, he realizes he needs to clean up his act or something and and go be Spider-Man despite the fact that it's harder, right? You probably would have changed a little bit of the facts about the Kingpin thing, you know, to make that work a little bit better. But even as it is, it's obvious what happens there. Because otherwise, there is no real point to Kingpin's family being that being a motivation. We don't need to know that. It's not it's a superfluous element because it's set up to tie into the family thing, but doesn't, right? Yeah. Well I feel like also like Miles is kind of it's a little unclear to me because it seems to me like his big issue is confidence, I guess. It's or something. But we don't know. We don't really know. Because like, I'm just trying to think like, you know, the moment when he decides to be Spider-Man. No, it's stupid. He just kind of like suddenly has the ability and the confidence. We ha- we don't really know why. We don't know what changed. Well, I, I do. It's ridiculous, but I do. Okay. So it's just because his dad talked to him. Right, but I'm like, but his dad has already told him that he loves him and that he believes in him. Oh, yeah, and then no, he sees yeah. the potential in him, which is why I say it seems more like a Miles internal confidence thing. I don't really understand what they were going, what they were going for with Miles's character. Nothing. That's what I'm saying. It's all over the map. Yeah. I was trying to offer, you know, another way. Okay, this could be about family. Here's how it would work, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not about any. Or of this it could things. be about. Confidence. You have a young man be. who is unsure of himself and, and who he is and who he wants to be. He feels like his family and everyone is pushing him in different directions. And suddenly with this Spider-Man thing, he finds something that actually can be his. And I, I think that's probably what they were going for, I guess. But it, it, but he doesn't really because he ever, doesn't want to do the Spider-Man thing. And nothing thing, ever but... happened. The only thing that happens to encourage him, I guess, is, yeah, his like dad talks to him and says that he loves it. Like, but he, he's already said all that stuff. He's like... I love you and I believe, you know, we believe you have all this potential. That's why we're sending you to the school. It's all stuff he's already said to him. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's. I mean, it would have gone the other way. So if you were trying to do that, what the dad should have said is, I don't care. Like, like he should have, if if you wanted this to work, right? Again, there's so many ways. I want you to be whoever you want to be. Yes, thank you. The dad should come to the door and be like, I'm sorry that. I had all these expectations for you. You know, I, I really wanted to go to college and I never did or whatever. And mm-hmm. I wanted you to be so it's like, I realized that was wrong. I was pushing you to be someone who you weren't meant to be or don't want to be, or maybe you do, but me pushing you may, ruined it. So it's like, from now on, it doesn't matter. Like, like we will I, support you. We'll I will support, support your decisions, right? And then he does. That makes perfect sense. It makes a lot right? more sense. But that's the, the the speech he actually gives is this total muddled mess where he just says, yeah, like you said, things he's already said before. So it's just kind of like doubling down almost, which doesn't make sense why Miles would interpret it differently. It doesn't seem like anything that would have changed their relationship, except for the fact that Miles has experienced some things in between then yeah. and now that maybe made him feel differently about his father saying the same things. Yeah. But... Ultimately, it doesn't it doesn't really provide us with any information on like why Miles would suddenly 
decide to be Spider-Man. Yeah, and it also doesn't line up properly. So what you want to do for the entire movie, right? And again, they have the option of doing this because it sometimes happens but sometimes doesn't. Is it should be that the only times Miles can't be Spider-Man is when someone else tells him to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And they sort of had this happen once in a while. Like they were like, he can't do it on command or whatever. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's also interpretable as just being like performance anxiety, which is a different thing, right? Um, right. So, well, and, and like <clears throat> lack of confidence, just like when. But put it's on not the spot. Like, put on, I guess that's performance anxiety. Like when put on the spot, you're you're not able to do what someone asks you to do, basically. But this isn't also. It's not that. It's not performance anxiety, mm-hmm. right? No, it's the not other things. To be. It's it's about rebellion the other ones right it's about my dad is forcing me to do x so i don't want to do x Mm -hmm. someone's forcing me to be spider-man and i don't want to be spider-man right and so and the same thing was when he went to the school he gets a a zero on his test intentionally intentionally right because he doesn't he does not performance anxiety no he specifically doesn't want to do what other people tell him to do yeah so it's just again this movie the writers of this movie have no idea what the actual emotional crisis of the character is. And so as a result, they just it's it's basically, you know, John Blow for games calls this eating at the sizzler. <laughs> it's just a salad bar of crap food. It's like, yeah, we put in a, a crappy dinner roll and a crappy iceberg wet, lettuce wedge and some crappy tomatoes. And it's like, I don't know, you just whatever you make the salad. It's like, I don't want to make the salad. You're the chef. Make make me the salad. Right. It's kind of weird because in just us talking about it here, I'm like, okay, so it seems like they're actually kind of close. Yes, this is what. But it's like for some reason they didn't get there, and it's hard to know why. Is it that they didn't quite realize what their story was, or is there some other thing that we're just not seeing? Some reason that that it would have gotten sort of muddled. I, I, it's kind of weird. I think so. Again, I just think it's this symptom of sort of you know. attention deficit disorder writing that we see nowadays where it's just like every scene is its own thing. They don't have to connect. The writers don't think about those scenes connecting, right? And so for people who are used to that or want that, the movies feel very hollow because the scenes don't seem to have anything to do with each other. And that's very disquieting for people who grew up watching movies where the scenes go together. Like there's a reason these scenes are in the same movie and they're not, it's not just an MTV uh, music video mashup, which is what this movie feels like because the scenes don't go together. They don't really make sense. There's no continuity between them, both emotionally and Mm story-wise, which we'll get into a little bit in a second here because there's also just like logical stuff that doesn't make any sense, which doesn't help. I think, and I think that stuff is a lot less of a problem in some ways than this, what we've just been talking about though, because it's like, if the emotional core of your movie works, a lot of the other stuff is forgivable. For um, you, but yeah. Sure, for me, and for a lot of people. But, but I it all think works this movie, together, though, th- too, I think. No, In no, other words, it, it all it, The fact that it's not working on a logical level, it's not working on an emotional level, right? It, it, because there's so much of that, it all works together to make it just feel inconsequential. No, totally. I mean, I think it's like this movie is fairly forgettable from a story perspective apart from i mean i think the visuals are memorable you know like if you think back on having watched this movie a year from now whatever you will remember the visuals of it you'll remember some of that right but like like you might vaguely remember that there was like an uncle in it who got killed and the father was a cop or whatever right but like it's that whatever whatever the character stuff is it's like yeah it's totally fleeting just because it doesn't it doesn't really make much sense 
It doesn't no. really have like a coherent idea about about it. Like it feels like it keeps changing its mind yes, about what it's about, yes. and it's really you're just like wait. And so I think it's important to draw a distinction here. So there's two ways that something like that can go. So one way is when you are over the top and blatant about what a scene is about, which is this movie. There's never a scene that's subtle. They're always just like, here's what the scene is about. Mm -hmm. The characters literally freaking say whatever the writer wanted. To the point where they literally say anyone can be Spider-Man at the end, like, to your face, as if they just were going to, like, literally hand you the Cliff's Notes version of what they wanted you to take away from the movie. So it's blatant and over the top. As a result, you your brain cannot take, if all these scenes were subtle, your brain might take them differently and integrate this a rich and nuanced picture of a human. Because sure. that's a thing that happens in great writing where it's like, yeah, I can't pin down what each of these scenes is about. And they're not all about the same thing. But they come together in, to create this really yeah. believable portrait of a human. In this movie, it's so blatant and over the top that when they go in different directions, it's like pulling super hard in all these different directions and all the strings break. No, totally. I mean, I think the only way that the only way that someone could think that this movie had like coherent themes and like character stuff is if they are giving it more than it gave them. Right. Like if they are if they are reading into things that aren't there. Or they're they're being actively told not. Like, because the scenes literally tell you what's going on. They're not ambiguous. Like, I think people are maybe picking and choosing what they like about the movie to create their own idea of what happened in it, as opposed to being like, no, this is what... Yeah. Right? Like, the movie is telling you all these different things that don't really make sense. If you decide to ignore some of those things and make up some new ones, you could come up with a satisfying... Like, much like we're doing in this conversation... Because the movie's not that far away from some things with Miles, you could kind of, like, try to just say that's actually what happened, even though it's not, right? Well, again, this is some people, there's a reason why Sizzler exists. Some people really like a bunch of low-quality stuff that they can just pick and choose which ones they want, and they leave the rest at the salad bar. And that's a totally plausible way that someone could read Spider-Verse, is it's like, well, I just left, you know... I don't like iceberg lettuce, so I didn't grab any of that. Yeah. It was there, but I just chose to ignore it. Right, right. right. Like they they, gra- they gravitate towards certain pieces of the thing. Yeah. And they just assume that that's what the whole movie is about. And they like extrapolate out in their own mind how the movie is about that to support that, even though it's not. They're the person who really likes the dinner rolls at the salad bar mm-hmm. and went up with a plate and got like one little tomato and then just a stack of the dinner rolls. And they're like, <laughs> this salad bar is great. And you're like, what are you talking about? The salads are terrible. And they're like, yes, but the dinner rolls. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a good dinner roll? I do. So anyway, uh, on to the other part of the theme that doesn't work, like you were saying, the kind of overt theme that, like, anyone can be Spider-Man. Yeah, the thing that they say, like, many times. In this movie. makes no sense at all. Uh, nothing in the movie is about that. The only thing I can find in this movie that has something to do with that being a a actual core idea we're going to wrestle with is the fact that there is a multiple universes and in each universe, the spider man or woman or thing, I mean, there's like a pig and presumably there would be other robot spider man or something. There sort of is one, but although the spider man is really, the I mean, I guess it's implied that, you know, alternate universes, you could have like infinitely number of spider men or spider, spider beings. Exactly. And so, you know, that is something vaguely related to the idea 
Other than that, there was I, I literally can't name a single thing in the film that has anything to do with this idea. Because normally, right, if that was the case, you would have the movie generally be about the idea of a extra personal, like a, a outside force preventing someone from being a thing. That is that is what you would be talking about if your theme was anyone can be an X, right? So what we would have expected to see, for example, is that most of the scenes in this movie would go the other way. At the outset of this movie, we find out that Miles Morales has already uh, successfully completed his entrance exam to get into an elite school and is and is going there. The actual version of anyone can be Spider-Man that would be in this film is the opposite of that. Miles Morales does not successfully complete the entrance exam, does not get to go to the elite school, and that is an external force preventing him from doing something that we would have, presumably, in that alternate version of the movie, he would have wanted to go to that school for some reason. So the movie is all about how actually, no, like people just get whatever, it's fine, right? There's no impediment to your progress at all. Miles just aces all the tests. He's in the the, the elite school. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever told him he can't do something, ever. Like, society is not preventing him from it anything. Seems, it seems more like what the movie was actually trying to be about was, like, your version of Spider-Man can be whatever you want it to be, right? Like, that seems... It wasn't about that either. Well, but I'm just, like... I, but there was an element of that in it where it's like when, no, when he finally decides to become Spider-Man, he does it in his own way. They all do it in their own way. They all look different. Like he has he makes his own Spider-Man outfit based on like, you know, the things he likes. Like he does, the you know, he spray paints it and stuff it, like and, and so this is like, that's an outfit. He still does Spider-Manning. But then everything he does is the same is as the same. any he other Spider-Man. He swings around on, a, on a, his little web. He just has a couple of his own. Yeah. He can do invisibility and like the electric shock things are like his own little It wasn't his choice. That's just what happened to him. No, totally. It's like it's. It doesn't make any sense. If you no, actually but, but, wanted. Because yeah, yeah. it's like there's nothing he does. Like no one is trying to get him to be. Because like I think that that movie would be more like. You're trying to be trained to be Spider-Man, to be like exactly. to be Peter Parker, right? Like exactly. to be exactly that guy. But you can't be that guy. You are yourself. But that's not the movie. Like that doesn't happen. In also, fact, Peter Parker is extremely supportive of him and hands off. Yeah, he's not like a micromanaging yes. kind of guy. He, in fact, he doesn't really think he can do anything. And then when he discovers that Miles can do some stuff, he's like, "This is awesome! Like, great job!" Like he's just supportive and not trying to push Miles to be any particular thing. It doesn't make the. It would be hard to overstate just how much this movie doesn't know what the frick is doing. Well, and it has so, so many different <clears throat> ideas thrown in it, like that would work together if the writers were paying attention. Yeah, because like so there's good another... ideas in it that don't that don't become anything. Well, no, there aren't any good ideas in it. Don't become something. There's They're potential just ideas. There's, there's potential ideas. Yeah. Yeah, the good idea would be how you link them together. Right. Ideas on their own are neither good nor bad. It's only once they're combined that we know whether they're good. I guess I just mean by good idea, in a, in a, I mean there's multiple ideas in this movie that had potential to become a good story i get i yeah i mean anyway without rattling on whether or not there are good or bad ideas in the movie so another aspect where you see this very clearly is it they totally mess up the other peter parker so he doesn't want kids so he does he like him and mary jane end up getting a divorce in the alternate universe or whatever Mm -hmm. right so again you 
there was an obvious way to do that. It because what if we're talking about anyone can wear the mask and we wanted to reinforce that theme, then it would have gone a different way. The reason they would have gotten divorced is because he was too overbearing on the children. Like they had children and he kept trying to want them to be these things that they weren't. And he made them miserable and the wife miserable. And then he comes over into this Spider-Verse and does the same thing to Miles. So he's like overbearingly training him to do Spider-Man exactly one way, just like you said. And then his realization when Miles can't do the things and has a breakdown and goes off and goes bad again, which then would let the family thing work, too, is that then he would be like, oh, God, like, this is what I did to my children. I get it now. Like, I have to give them room to be themselves. I have to just be supportive and teach them what they want to know, mm-hmm. not what I want and them to know. And this is also the lesson that the father has to learn. The lesson the father has to, I mean, I don't know how to say this any other way. It's just like core competency. I really think the people who write these movies are not writers. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are. I think they're more like executives. They're people who like would pitch random ideas like like Romeo and Juliet on a sinking ship, right? Mm-hmm. But they can't write the screenplay for Titanic. They, they just don't fundamentally know how writing works. Mm-hmm. Like they don't make scenes that actually go together to tell you a story. They're just... They're a music video, is and really that's the way these movies feel nowadays. And Spider Man feels exactly that way. Well, so I think this feels like def- watching a movie, music video, which maybe you might really like this music video, but it's a music video, not a movie. I mean, I, I think this movie definitely has that feeling in other ways because of the because it's so action heavy and so style heavy, right? Like it's yeah. the movie's like really about the visual stuff that's happening. Yes. Um, and so you kind of just go quickly from one scene to another. And it's very cacophonous, and there's, like, tons of visual information coming at you at all times. Uh, And it's just, like, I don't know. Yeah. I think the other problem uh, with the central way that this movie is structured is the sort of extreme avolitional nature of the story. So, you know, I'm always a big believer in stories connect, like, on an emotional level when characters have some kind of agency in the movie that you can relate to Mm -hmm. in some way, right? So if a movie just feels like a series of scenes that writers put in order because they wanted them to happen, but it doesn't really feel like any of the people in the movie, antagonists or protagonists, are really making decisions. Um, Another way to say this would be when, when I watch a movie and it feels inevitable... Meaning it's just like, this was just a series of events that were going to happen, and nobody in this story was going to do anything about like, it. The character right? just shows up at the next scene. Yep. And, and does the thing. And does the thing, and you're like, well, why, why did they go there? Why are they here? Like, or, wh- or could, could uh, Kingpin have made a different choice at the end? Could Miles have made a different choice? If it always feels like, no, there were no choices. People are just doing. And sometimes in this film, like I said, it's extreme. It's like things are just happening. It's like... Spidey webs are getting stuck on things which cause two people to meet or somebody is just randomly walking around a place and then another person randomly runs into the like it's like the spidey sense is just used as like a catch all for like well we needed a character to be in a certain situation so spidey sense it's like okay it's just and so the whole movie feels inconsequential and I'm like the reason I feel like this is a problem is because it makes me feel like Miles never really had a choice to participate in the story or not 
at any time, even the part where he supposedly like gets his fighting powers, just again, it just feels like something that just kind of happened. And so as a result, it's this lack of investment. I'm not invested in the character, so it feels distant. It's just something that's happening. Like if I'm if I'm was sitting at a coffee shop watching an altercation out there, and it's through a pane of glass. That's not what I want when I when I am going to spend two hours watching a movie. I want to feel like I know the two people having that altercation. I want to know why they're having that altercation. I want to know that one person made a bad choice, and that's why they're having that altercation. And 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 I I right before that, I wished he would have made the other choice. That's that's emotional buy-in, yes, right? Yes. In this movie, I never have any connection to any of these characters. I just feel like it's some stuff that's happening on a screen. And I could just go read my phone instead and come back later and there'd be no difference because none of the things that are happening are are consequential. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. So uh, I guess I want to talk about some things about like just world nonsense that doesn't make any sense. Okay. I mean, I feel like it is a superhero story and sometimes those can get a little bit far-fetched in terms of like the world making sense so uh i, I want to reinforce this like the emotional and thematic elements of this movie are just completely going in all different directions yes. thing yes and so another thing that goes in all different directions is the world so as a result every single thing feels completely detached in this movie because they're all just random they're they're literally like 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 i said attention deficit disorder is the best way to describe it every Every minute to minute of this movie, it's just a completely different movie. They, they might as well just be shorts because they don't <laughs> connect and they don't have any relationship to each other. And I just wanted to emphasize how ridiculous that was with some of the like mm-hmm. physical things that were happening in this movie. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> because that's how it makes it. It again makes it feel incredibly inconsequential. The things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I won't belabor these points because there's a lot of them, but I'll go with one that I think was the most confusing to me. Sure. That makes it, that makes it feel – it's one of the reasons why to me the movie – things like this make the movie feel like it's not really happening. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reinforces this idea that it's all just kind of not really a thing. So there's a scene in this movie where uh, Miles goes to his uncle's, but his uncle is not there. Mm-hmm. And he writes a letter to his uncle telling him something like, hey, I'm confused about stuff and mm-hmm. I really want to talk to you or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And his uncle comes home and it turns out his uncle is... I don't remember the name of... He says it. I don't remember it. So whoever the purple... Purple guy. Purple glowy purple guy, guy with yeah. the gloves is. That guy. Um... So he finds out that his uncle is Purple Glow Glowman, and they have a chase. And Miles gets away, but the implication is <clears throat> Purple Glowman is still up at the top of a uh, building mm-hmm. and <clears throat> watching him. The next scene, if I unless I am forgetting something, we cut to Miles showing up at Spider. Man headquarters, right? Aunt May's house? Yes. So it's literally that scene. We see what's-his-face up there. We cut to Aunt May's house in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. It was nighttime mm-hmm. before. So 12 hours have passed or something, right? Or at least, yeah, the sun came up. Maybe a few hours. We'll say it went... Many hours have passed, right? At least four or five hours, probably more. 
It was nighttime and he was going to someone's apartment and there are people out on the street. Like it's like 10 p.m. or something, right? And then it's afternoon when he shows up. (laughs) It's like half a day. Okay. Right? Yeah. And he comes in and he's like, were you followed? And he's like, no, I wasn't followed. Then it turns out he was followed, right? Now he was followed by everybody. So presumably Purple Globin has been following him and called for backup or something at some point. Now, what I want to know is, where was he for 12 hours? So presumably he went to sleep or went to school or went somewhere. Purple Glowman has to be following him the entire time because if he wasn't following him the entire time, well, he would have lost But And he would know he was Miles. Exactly. So now it's like when the uncle shows up, I'm like, Wait, but he would already know this kid's Miles because he would have had to follow him and watch him take off his mask and go into his fucking school and go to sleep and wake up and come out and take the bus. I'm like, what did you write on this page? What is wrong with you? Right. And so when they have these things like the uncle realizes it's Miles, it's like he already knew it was Miles. What are you doing? Well, and like there are possible things there where it's like. It, that might not be in the writing so much as it is like, well, when they went, the they decided to make that Aunt May scene set in the day, like on an art side, the art side of things for some reason. I mean, that still seems like a director issue, though. It's like where it's like, look, if we're supposed to believe that these scenes are happening close together in time, then you need to have be consi- consistent like that. It's still night. Right. That's like even if that's not explicitly in the script, like the director's job is to you know, make sure that's coherent, right? Well, this is what I said when we were talking about Lightyear, and I was like, I refuse to believe that anyone cared about the story to this movie. And that's why I say that about Spider-Man as well. Anyone who cared about this film watches those two things and goes like, oh, crap, well, that's not going to work, right? Like, we can't do that because, you know, the what we're doing here is assuming it, it's basically Piaget's like, ch- like you know, children thing. Mm-hmm. I, I use this term to refer to writing a lot of times when it's like the whole thing that they claim. I have no, I'm not, I'm not an early childhood education person, but like, you know, there's a certain time when if you move a ball that a child is watching behind a wall or behind a, an object, they think it disappeared. They don't know where it went, right? And then later, apparently, they learned that it went behind the thing and they mm-hmm. know the ball didn't stop existing. So the writing for most modern movies is at that first Piaget stage where if a ball moves behind a wall, it, do- it doesn't exist anymore. That's how this movie felt because it's like, to them, if the audience hasn't seen the uncle see Peter Parker, then he didn't. I'm sorry, not Peter Parker, uh, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Then he didn't. So... To them, it's like the only things that exist are the things we've literally seen on screen. Well, and to be fair, for a large percentage of the audience, that's true. But it just goes to show how little anyone thought about what's actually happening in the story. Yeah, right? in their minds, it's in their not... minds, they are exactly where the they are no better than the audience at knowing <laughs> what happened in their world. Well, it's they made. Not, yeah, right? I think it it just shows that in their minds, there's not this like fully constructed right. world. With actual characters and people in it, right. it's like there's a series of scenes, and when one scene ends, the next one immediately starts, and nothing happened between there. That's correct. If it is off screen, it cannot. Ha- it doesn't occur, right? Even if the only way for two things to have happened was for 
some things that clearly mm-hmm. shouldn't happen to have happened. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I think like it's true that the audience only really knows what you're showing them. But those things that you're not thinking of that happen in the world spatially, physically, temporally, like in between scenes, the audience can, even if they aren't consciously, like cognitively thinking of that stuff, there's still like a gut feeling because so, because yes. our brains understand how things work. Like have our brains are designed in a certain way to like understand reality, right? And so it's like even if we can't pinpoint why that felt jarring or off or wrong, it does, right? Like it feels like that cut feels weird because there's like this temporal element that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's right. And, and like I think for a lot of people you're not going to be able to pinpoint like what was off about it, why it was jarring, that's but right. it's just that's why, right? And this is exactly what I wanted to bring up. So to me, it's very easy to say, well, that doesn't matter because most people don't notice. I think everyone notices mm-hmm. personally. What happens is your brain feels like the thing doesn't quite feel right. Like it's like, and this is what happened to me, actually. Mm-hmm. So the whole uncle thing of him being the villain felt really wrong. I was like, that doesn't seem right. It just didn't feel right like, when think, it happened. You know, honestly, and that's this. This is one of the reasons why there's way more reasons why that I'll get into in a second. And I think what happens is when your world is bullshit when you basically like the things can't actually work or wouldn't ever work that way your brain is doing those percentages secretly in a little like detector in the back that's that's when it's a surprise to you that the uncle's the villain or something there's a reason for that it's because the movie was actually wrong that he really probably couldn't have been the villain because nobody would have done the things that way or something right and so it feels these moments feel unsatisfying because you're like that doesn't seem right and it's like and then i've got your back because i wrote down all the reasons right why that's not the case (laughs) but but i often do these things after the fact because they bug me and i'm like that didn't feel right and i think i'm like oh yeah duh like that's because the movie basically overtly said this couldn't be true if you read between the lines Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah. I, I, there's not much more to say, I mean, about it than that. It's just that this movie suffers from that a lot. Yeah, and I right? think it's not—this movie is not at all unique in that way. Not at it, all. It is a big problem with movies these days in general, and I I think it's—it maybe has something to do with the way in which movies are made, the, the structure. Like, you know, the ways in which they're maybe thrown together sort of piecemeal because there's studio maybe. feedback and there's there's so much that, like, I mean, there's so much that we aren't, we don't know, right, that we don't get to see about what goes into the writing of most modern big studio movies where it's like there's so many hands in this pot, there's so many things pushing and pulling and eh. change this and change that. I'm just saying, like... Eh. I don't I don't buy that at all. I mean, I all I'm saying is like I think I think one of the reasons that these movies feel just like a bunch of scenes pasted together is because there's too many people trying to have to, to like contribute ideas. I, I doubt it. I think it's just a skills gap. I think it's literally just like Hollywood doesn't value any of these things that I'm talking about. I think they should because I think they're what create franchises. I don't think. Hollywood can really create franchises anymore. They have to buy them from somebody else specifically because they can't establish characters. They don't know how to do it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to buy Spider-Man because they could never make Spider-Man. It's just not yeah. within their like, you know, uh, suite of tools or whatever, right? Um, I think it's just a skills gap. I just don't think they have 
or value having people there that do p- actual polish pass on writing and make sure this but stuff I guess makes what sense. I say is- I, because you could take this exact same movie after everyone did their weird crap to it, which I totally believe, like you said, is happening. People are like, oh, but we have to have this and we have to have that. Sure. You could still just do one quick pass in a few days over this Spider-Man movie and it all lines up. It would not be hard. They just don't care about that. And it's a it's a it's a care issue because you know they wouldn't do this for the image. Like they, there's no images in Spider-Man where the whole thing is just line art for some reason because no one f- bothered to finish painting the thing. It's like no, it all looks there's like they hire lots of people to sit there. There's TDs on every shot, there's a visual director, there's art directors all looking and that would not skate. But in the writing side of things anything goes doesn't matter there's just no there's no equivalent for a td for writing and there should be no i mean i think from all we've been able to see from some of these documentaries that like disney's made available and stuff it's very very obvious that for whatever reason the writing is not taken seriously and it's very odd because you're right like you know, visually, this movie is is really, really good, and you can tell that people put a lot of time and care, and and like love, like into the visuals of this movie. You, you can feel that from and it. hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Yes, like it's literally like huge teams of people, and you know, a given shot in Spider Man was several people doing stuff mm-hmm. at in pre planning in you know making models and then people on the individual shot doing the animation doing the lighting for that shot approving the shot tweaking the shot doing drawovers of the shot for some of those like you know there's all these people doing all this stuff what was the writing it's like two guys sat down and crapped something out and that was it like there wasn't a process there wasn't someone there going like hey we should actually have some people like really drill into this like does it actually work How, how's that part how's this part let's do a quick animatic of it and watch it and make sure well, and as we've seen they don't seem to be doing any of this stuff this stuff is not hard well and as we saw from certainly like the frozen 2 documentary is like the writing a lot of times is being done as the movie is being made oh yeah on the fly and i don't know if that's the case for this movie but to be honest it probably was because that seems to be just the way they do things in animation these days and i, I don't know. it's it's pretty alarming honestly it was the frozen 2 one was hopefully like one of the worst cases but maybe maybe it's I, common, I, I don't know i'm guessing that's actually fairly typical i've never really seen anything quite so amazing as the frozen 2 one though i mean that might be it might be uniquely terrible i don't know but i i it i just feel like i guess you know what no i guess now that I mean, i'm going saying all it, the way back to the emperor's new groove documentary that we saw that's back in the like and what, you know two, what around now that i think about jj abrams literally said basically the same thing as for the, the frozen two thing for like rise of skywalker it was like i don't know we we're just kind of co- we were just like working on it while we were there yeah, it's like it, it, i think this, that's just how they think, i think that's how they think stories happen like or something it's messed up and it seems like it's been that way for a long time and it's gotten a lot worse it's terrible and it's it's a really bad process and you can see that in in the, the the output. Like you can see that in the movies that we get these days. The and I suppose I should be like we're talking here specifically about like a a certain type of movie. There they tend to be like you know animated movies or big genre studio movies, superhero movies. You know, Marvel has this problem these days. Um, like I think it's just. It's not all movies, but it's it's unfortunately like the kind of movies that traditionally I really love. Yeah. Which is yeah. animation and like genre stuff and uh big big budget studio movies like traditionally 
yeah. are are my favorite kind of movie and like they just on average are awful. Yes, it's true. <laughs> these days and it sucks. Um and I do think it's ultimately the fault of the writing because so much of the other stuff has actually become pretty good. Like the technology now that we have for stuff is better than it's ever been. Sometimes to a fault because I think you see it with the Marvel stuff where like they haven't shot a person in a real location in like years and it you can <laughs> and like you can feel that 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 fakeness that yeah. but in the case of like the animated animated stuff like things in terms of CG animation right things look great like things look better than they ever have like that Spider-Man movie looks amazing they're doing some really cool stuff in it it's not that that's not what's wrong with the movie that's what's right with the movie i mean that's the reason that people to this day, keep talking about that movie, and it's been super influential. Like a bunch of animated movies have come out since, trying to kind of like imitate that style or I use see. use pieces of that kind of style. It was it was a big deal, but it's just like it's kind of let down by the story, and that's how, that's the case for so many things these days. And I, I the part that I want to emphasize, this is why I always harsh on this stuff, is there's no reason for it. Like no one is asking you to you know that your animated movies have to be Finnegan's Wake or something, right? <laughs> like we're like no one's asking for that. I'm asking for cookie cutter. Like I'm asking for literally just the bare minimum basic having your plot line up. I don't care if it's trite. That's mm-hmm. fine, right? Because, you know, like you said it's a big action movie thing. It's like it's probably not going to be the case that somehow you're going to shoehorn into that this dramatic statement about mankind that no one's ever made before, right? It's not going to do that. And that's fine. I just want I just want basic core competency for writing because we're getting it for from everything else. Like yes. it's very rare that you see a movie where they don't have basic core competency in like the acting anymore or basic core competency in the visuals, right? Mm-hmm. Basic core competency. Cuz I could complain about cinematography all the time and stuff about it not being exceptionally good. But rarely do we see it being like we didn't get the actor in the frame. Oh, no, right? no. It's like the core competency for these things is there everywhere but the screenplay. Except except apparently in the Disney live action remakes, the cinematography is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> but I so in college, I took like a screenwriting workshop mm. with the guy who wrote uh, like Treasure Planet and The Princess and the Frog. Uh-huh. And I remember coming out of that just being like super depressed because he was so obsessed with i mean he loved it he loved that structure like disney has a very they used to have like a really rigid structure like down to the minute here's what's happening right and i just remember coming out feeling like so depressed i'm like that everything just follows this explicit roadmap but like i've come to kind of revise that yes feeling in the last few years where i'm like you know, if we could just have Disney writers follow that roadmap again, I think the movies would feel a lot better. Yeah, the, um, the problem with getting rid of the roadmap is in order to get rid of the roadmap, you have to have good writers. If you have bad writers, you which is all they've got, mm-hmm. you really want them to follow the roadmap. Because what the roadmap was is a way of them avoiding messing the entire thing up. Because there's only, you know, if you, if you follow Sid Field's screenplay... Mm-hmm. There's only so terrible the movie could be, right? Well, and I think that's the case. And for, it's like, like I would love it if all these writers were so good that they didn't need that. But they know, like these people are so bottom of the barrel. No, it's true. I mean, like because I, you know, if you look back at those two movies that the guy that guy wrote, if yeah. Treasure Planet and Princess and the Frog, like neither of them is exceptional 
from a story perspective. Yeah. But actually, by today's standards, by today's movies, if you go back and watch those, they actually, they're at least coherent. Right. Like, they make sense. Everything that's happening, they're, like, fairly logical in the way they're structured. They're not great. But they work. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, I can see I can see the benefit in a big studio system of following a strict script procedure because, like, whatever they're doing now is not working. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a be careful what you wish for thing because I could totally see back in the days when there were more cookie cutter movies being like, gosh, I wish things weren't so cookie cutter anymore. And it's like that's because in your brain you're thinking – well, if they're not cookie cutter, they'll be inventive and interesting. And you're thinking of all the positive things that come mm-hmm. from getting rid of cookie cutter. And those are true. But what you forgot is Disney not going to hire any of those people. Mm-hmm. Forget it, right? You're just going to get a now complete shambles. It's just going to be like someone, you know, shakes up this box and dumps out the pieces and there's the, the screenplay, right? So that structure was there to basically like help lousy writers not make an awful screenplay. And it was good idea mm-hmm. right because until you know you have great writers you should never get rid of that process they're not good enough to do it and that's what we've got now so we exclusively have lousy writers operating without a net and that's not smart that is not an improvement to me at all it's just strictly bad yep so well anyway i feel like we talk about this all the time in this podcast people are probably sick of hearing about it but like it's just the way it is and it's a bummer and we it's, will probably not stop complaining about it <laughs> It's just because it's just the lowest quality thing, right? It's like of all the things in movies now, it's hard to complain about the other elements of movies all that much because the writing always is so far below all the rest of the things, right? It's like you can complain about the cinematography in most movies if you want to, but why would you bother? Because it's way better, relatively speaking, than the writing, you know? Yeah. So that's that's why I think we always go down that rat hole is because it's like it's always the worst thing. Yeah. So anyway, I got tons more things like the uncle thing, but I think you get it. But point being, the whole movie is filled with that stuff where I feel like the world as well is meaningless. So, Well, certainly the you know, whole like – alternate realities thing uh oh that's all gives it, nonsense, it gives yeah. it this it gives the movie this, this definitely this feeling of like okay so none of this matters or is real because it just feels like so not real at all well and, no and, but and, even that is not the is wouldn't necessarily be the case no, no it, right? it doesn't have to feel that way it's just the way that it was done and it feels that way because i mean what we see at the opening of the movie well not the opening but at early on in the movie um is the reason why we get multiple spider people is because some weird green thing holds Spider-Man into this the little reaction, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a reaction happening mm-hmm. and it holds Spider-Man in there. And the idea, which we see later, because they use a hair sample. I don't remember if you remember this hair follicle thing. Yeah. There's like, right? <clears throat> I don't know if anyone was paying attention to saw that. But the idea is that if like if some DNA is in this like vortex thing then it will pull people from the other dimensions that match that dna i guess is how this works yeah that's really unclear right? i mean i like i guess it's what they said and they yeah. show it later they show no, the, the hair right? of the because i presumably of what like his wife or his child or something yeah you know. cut to the end of this movie everyone's in the vortex there's like the 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 scorpion guys in the vortex uh kingpins in the vortex Where's all their doubles? 
Why is no one concerned about the fact that now all of those people should have at least five, possibly more, of their – because they're in there can for a I, long can time. Can I be honest? Can I be honest? That actually would have been a really fun – potentially a fun uh, scene. Post-credit scene. Everyone's in it. The dad's in there. Everyone's in there. The thing encompasses like a whole thing. There's trains moving through it and all this stuff. It's like this should mean that now there's just like infinite multiverse people. Maybe there are. And maybe that'll be the next movie, which I think they should do. That's what I would do. But these people like like Miles Morales is supposed to suddenly know all this physics for some reason because he's really good in high school, I guess. Fine. He opens a portal, right? You see him going like, I'm going to open a portal to send you back. Boop, 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 boop. I'm happy we're out in the encryptions. I'm like, okay. It would make way more sense if the robot girl did this, but whatever, fine. You know, we don't care about the writing. Why start now? So he does this and I'm like, okay, so, so he understands the whole thing, right? Like that to me says Miles Morales knows how this whole thing works. Why isn't he freaking out? Like, he should be like, oh, my God. As soon as this thing ends, like, he should be immediately like, all right, I have no time to lose. There are now going to be clones or, or, sorry, alternate reality versions of all these villains. He never says that. Well, no, because it's it's all the the that device works however the writers want it to work for any particular scene. Exactly. It doesn't have any actual rules. This is what I'm saying. This yeah. is why I say the world is so effervescent. It's meaningless. It doesn't actually work the way you say it works. And the reason this is so messed up is because it ruins all of your your. Well, you can't parts. establish anything that will come back and be relevant later because no, the nothing stays consistent. You also don't care. Yeah. This is why I say like it gets rid of that investment because I'm like – Normally, and this is why I always go back to like Spielberg action sequences, they're just brilliant because you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, the hero is trying to get to this because he needs to get it, right? And he's being pursued by this person and that person is trying to catch him and do this to him or something. You know what's going on. So the action sequence is impactful because you're in suspense. Will the hero get to the thing or not? Right. And, you know, it's like, you know, exactly what needs to be done. You have you have the exact like expectations of what is supposed to be happening. Exactly. In in this just absolute horrible bargain basement, like dollar store bin writing that these companies go with. None of that happens. So you're like in this movie. Right. They're like, what is the problem? Why do we care about this super collider? Why don't we just let Kingpin bring his family back? That would be fine, right? I don't care if he has his family back or not. Well, the reason, I am told, is that if we let this thing keep running, it will swallow all of Brooklyn with a black hole or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, in theory, this is a problem. Like, in theory, my understanding is that this is a problem, meaning unless the whole movie is pointless— We needed to shut the reactor off, like, quickly. Like, it wasn't like, well, we'll let it run for seven days, and when I spider get around to it, I'll spider insert this key card and hit the spider button to blow it up. It wasn't, like, on my to-do list. It was, like, the main thing I was supposed to do. And then we get scenes where the thing is running, and it's massive, and it's encompassed an entire freaking building, and the spider people are sitting around having a chat about old times. Hey, we gonna be friends now? Yeah, let's be friends. 
Shake hands. Am I allowed to think your haircut's cool now? Sure, you can do that. It's swallowing Brooklyn! You assholes! What a <laughs> bunch of incompetent loser spider people! Like, what are you doing? So, this is a problem. They they don't care about anything that they've said beforehand. So these moments just feel ridiculous. They're obviously stupid. When you watch them, you're like, what are you talking about? You guys are the worst heroes I've ever seen. I hope you all get swallowed by this terrible black hole and I never see you again. Because you're sitting around while the entire city is being destroyed by a black hole talking about someone's haircut. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> it's so freaking stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, you contrast this with great versions of that scene. Because there are ones, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, Mitch Spielberg, you know, Indiana Jones, right? He, Elsie and, and Har- you know, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones is like holding on to her hand. And she's trying to get the grail, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, just let it go, you know? That's how you do that. It's all in context. It's like the the theme of the movie is in the action sequence. And, and the, the interactions with the, the characters, characters are, are related. Like, you're resolving the emotional stuff through action. I mean, the best, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade is an amazing example. Think about when, the scene with Indy and his dad. Yes. And, and he's reaching for the yes. thing and his dad says, let it go. Yes. And he does. It's like, it's it's amazing. Yes. It's so impactful. It's It resolves a conflict between that the, the crux of this like conflict between the father and the son and it does it in a way that also resolves like the mainline plot it's it yes. just it's it's brilliant it's like yes. that's writing yes this movie doesn't do that no and there are so many opportunities to do that I think the movie just has to it really had to decide what it wanted to be about and commit to that and it it I think I guess it's like you're eating at the Sizzler thing. It was just trying to be about too many things. Uh, it, was, it was so eating at the Sizzler. Anyway, we should stop because we've just been going on and on. No, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, I could bash on this movie all day long. And again, it's just the writing. It's just the writing is awful, and it just keeps being awful. Mm-hmm. In every scene of this movie, the writing is awful, and there were things we could go on and on about. My my favorite one I'll end on. Okay. Is that in the entire movie? In the entire movie, every time there is never a time when it does not happen in. The entire movie. Okay. When two spider people look at each mm-hmm. other, it goes, Gloop! Yeah. And they're like, You're like me. How do Gwen and Miles spend an entire day together at their high school and never have this happen? Be- just because the writers didn't want you to know that yet. It's so freaking bad. <laughs> like, it's like. I don't know how to say it any other way was than he like. Was at that? Yes, he was because he gets stuck to her. He gets stuck to her hair. So yes. yes, yeah. All right. Pathetic. Okay. I got madder at that movie than I thought I was going. to. Yeah, you kind of did. I think it's it's not. It seems like it for us. It always comes back to being. We're not just mad at this movie. It's like it's yeah. It's this movie just becomes a punching bag that represents yeah. like modern movie writing. I think it's just I have a visceral reaction to this kind of laziness. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're responsible for a job, you're supposed to take it seriously. If I mean, if you're being paid minimum wage to do something, I mean, no. Like, I don't have unrealistic expectations of people who don't want to do their job and are getting paid poorly or in bad work. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah. But what's happening here is people are getting paid, like, the highest Payment. I mean, like this was the one of the directors was the writer on this thing, right? I mean, they're getting paid potentially millions of dollars and they could not be bothered 
to do a decent job on the writing. I, I hate highly paid, incompetent mm. jobs. It's like it's viscerally angers me because I'm like, there are so many people who would have liked to have spent time making this. I know writers who would never be this bad mm-hmm. if you let them do these mm-hmm. movies. If you just gave them the script after and said, just do a pass on this and fix all the garbage, they would happily do that for a reasonable wage. And you just can't be bothered. Like, you literally just don't care enough about your job to do that. It's just it's infuriating, as you can see. I can see. So can bad. See. There's certainly listeners who really love a good Casey rant. So, yeah. you know, this was the month for it. It got one. I wasn't expecting it to be this ranty because it's not as bad as Lightyear by any stretch of yeah, imagination. No, it's, it's actually a lot better than Lightyear. But yeah. but I think we're just, as I said, it's it's more about taking a frustration out on this on movie. This movie. Yeah. this movie doesn't necessarily deserve it more than Lightyear. In fact, it, I think it deserves it less than Lightyear. Lightyear or, or Frozen 2, or Frozen for two. example. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely. The, a um, lot of these movies, they they all just kind of have the same yeah. problem and the same lack of attention, which you, you, we should probably at one of these days do Puss in Boots, because remember that was supposed to actually be well-written, apparently. Yeah, Puss in Boots, The Last um, Wish, is I've heard is good. Maybe yeah. we would disagree. But, but I mean, if it's animated, we should probably do a well-written animated thing one of these days. We did yeah. Klaus, and Klaus was, was very well-written. Klaus was well-written, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we currently have a poll going. We will be picking a theme for April. Vote in the poll. Vote in the poll. I think there's a couple days left. If you're let listening your to voice this. be heard. If you're listening to this on the Friday that it's released, I think there's a couple days left to vote. So go do it. I'm looking forward to that after this poop sorbet that I had to eat. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone. Bye.